It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Tuesday edition of Locked On Youth here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Ryan Brown, one of your co-hosts coming at you uh, at the controls today. We want to talk about a couple different things in this episode of Locked On Youth. First of all, we want to talk about Mickey Yantunin and his departure for his country in order to help Finland advance in the FIFA, FIBA, excuse me, Eurobasket. 2022 qualifier we're also going to talk about the youth's performance against stanford over the weekend what worked what didn't how did yontunen possibly not playing affect the youths and what do they need to do in order to reacclimate and re-engage in winning games also we're going to review all the other sports that were in this weekend including utah volleyball who is just absolutely dominating opponents right now. All that coming up next here on your Tuesday edition of Locked On Utes here on the Locked On Podcast Network for February 16th, 2022. Thank you for joining us here on a Tuesday edition of Locked On Utes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Utes and the Locked On Podcast Network are brought to you by our sponsors, Rock Auto and Bet Online AG. We will talk more about them coming up in the show. But for right now, I want to start off the show talking about what happened over the weekend. The biggest news coming out of the University of Utah basketball team was Mickey Yontunen leaving the team to go and depart to help his country, Finland, advance in the FIBA Eurobasket 2022 qualifier. Jantunen has not been, I wouldn't say that he's been a superstar by any stretch, but he's been a very integral part of the team as of late. And one of the biggest parts, biggest aspects that he's had an impact on, other than the defensive end, is on the, the rebound side of things. And that was something that Utah has struggled with early on in the season and had up and down aspects, you know, as they've tried to evolve as a team and improve and grow and everything like that. Um, Yantunin was promised in his during his recruiting by Larry Kraskoviak that he would be allowed to play in all of the qualifying events for his national team. For a lot of these European kids, a lot of these European players, I should say, this is the biggest part of playing basketball for them. They want to represent their countries. They want to represent the basketball organizations that have helped grow them. Most of these players play in their under-21 or under-18 or under-16 teams nationally, so they've been doing this for a while. And this year, it just so happens that the FIBA Eurobasket qualifier has landed in the middle of a basketball season. Now, we've seen this in other professional sports. So, example, 
locally. RSL at times will have players that depart to go play in friendlies or, or qualifiers for their national teams. But we rarely see this in college basketball. And some of that is that these national teams and these countries want their athletes to be able to participate in the NCAA tournament. They want them to be able to play during the NCAA tournament. But, excuse me, NCAA season, I don't know why I'm repeating myself. Maybe it's because I'm so excited about being back with you guys and being able to talk Utah athletics again. I'm sure that's what it is. Uh, it probably has nothing to do with having a little bit of a uh, hangover from a three-day weekend and, and a little bit of rust. Couldn't couldn't ever be anything like that. But these athletes, they want to play for their countries. They, these countries, they want to showcase these athletes. They want to get more basketball attention. They want more basketball prowess. And I think for a country like Finland, where former Ute Hanno Metala is an assistant on the squad, this is a big part of them developing a basketball culture. They want to be able to compete uh, internationally in these tournaments. And, and Mickey has stated all along that that's something that he wants to do. He asked Larry Kraskoviak for the opportunity to go play for the team. Because of COVID this year, these qualifiers have been postponed multiple times. And this was the first time that they could actually get it to play. Now, there is a lot of confusion in regards to why it's being played now and everything like that. The biggest reason is is the bottom line is the Olympics. With the Olympics coming up in the summer, everything has been condensed. We've seen it with the NBA. We're seeing it now with Eurobasket qualifiers and everything like that. So Mickey will be going to the qualifier in against Switzerland in hopes of advancing with the rest of his group, which is Group E, including Georgia and Serbia. Finns and the Swiss are set to square off Friday, February 19th at 3 a.m. Mountain Time. So if you're really into this, that's what time you'll need to get up in the morning. Good luck. I will be safely sleeping in my bed. I'm not that dedicated to the Finnish national team. But the good news is that Mickey Jantanen is. And I do think that this is going to be a fascinating opportunity for Jantanen to go out and not only represent his country, but to showcase what he can add and, and maybe grab some confidence while he's out there. I think that's something that we really need to implement on this basketball team when he returns to the University of Utah. And, and he'll have three games. Hopefully, the, the hope is that if they win the first game or can can qualify within the first two games, that Yontanen won't play in the third game and he can just come back to the University of Utah. There was some conversation regarding whether or not he will need to self-quarantine and, and all that kind of thing. I don't think that's going to be an issue, to be honest with you. It looks like everything that was in place early on in terms of self-quarantine and, and testing and everything like that has kind of, I don't want to say be, been eliminated, but has been adjusted. And I think a lot of that is just because the numbers around the covid virus and the spread have really drastically dropped the numbers around uh inoculation or, or excuse me uh vaccination have have drastically increased and are increasing every single day and so we're starting to see the tail end of this uh obviously things like being packed into an arena and everything like that are still a ways away but the good news is is that this these kind of uh, requirements of these stipulations that players and, and teams have had to abide by are probably winding down a little bit. I'm not saying that Utah or the Pac-12 or anybody is going to fudge anything. I think they're going to follow the letter of the law exactly as it's been dictated to them. But I do think that there have been some adjustments, and I do think we're going to see some of that come tournament time as well. And so 
this is an opportunity, uh, as I said, for Janssen to go represent himself and his country. It's also an opportunity for the Utes. And the biggest part that I see, I think we can all talk about, was the fact that they're having to dig into the bench now and play some of the freshmen, Pella Larson, Ian Martinez, also Lahat Toon, uh, Chun, excuse me, getting a little bit more run. And Jackson Brenchley made an appearance for the Utes on Saturday as well. Utah is now down two of their top players. And for all his struggles, Ryland Jones is still a do-the-little-things kind of guy. I think that there's a comparison for him to what Ricky Rubio does, where Ricky has an impact on the numbers positively when he's on the court, even if statistically he's not impacting the game. And I thought we saw that a lot on Saturday night. I thought Utah looked very discombobulated at times. Uh, I thought that their offense did not seem to have a flow to it. But this will allow the Utes to develop Ian Martinez more. It will allow Pella Larson to take more of the ball handling duties, more of the initiation of the offense. And I think it's a good thing, to be honest with you. I think that this season, Utah obviously has been competing all along, and we've seen that. It felt weird to watch them lose against Stanford, but given that Jones and Yonchanin were out and that they still managed to close the game as close as they did, uh, I don't think for me personally it felt like that big of a loss. Uh, I know that there are people who are checked out on the season that will just chalk it up as being another loss, but it felt weird to watch Utah lose, and, and that's something that I think is really fascinating given how this season started out. But they had won three straight. They had been really, really good the last couple games, and they are climbing in the net ranking right now. Still on the outside looking in, but they are uh, inching closer. Had they been able to beat Stanford, that would have been a huge huge feather in their cap in terms of the net ranking and the net ranking is kind of the the modern determinant for uh for college basketball nowadays it i i don't love it i get it i understand it i'm not gonna go into a, a rant or anything like that on it i think it is what it is but we've continually messed with this system to the point to where I don't know what we're really even evaluating anymore. Um, it used to be the committees, and then it was quadrant wins, and, and now quadrant wins are still a part of it to a degree, but now we have net rankings and, and whatnot. Utah's net ranking right now is currently uh, 81, and, and they have moved up a few spots. Stanford is sitting steady at 56. That's up a few spots as well. It seems like the Pac-12 is starting to make some movement. They have one team at number 20 in that Colorado. They do not have a single top 10 team right now. But that's not super unusual. Now, number 15, Southern California, USC is, is right there. Uh, but there are a lot of blue bloods in college basketball that are on the outside looking in. Duke, North Carolina, all of these programs that we've seen for years and years just be absolutely dominant and competitive are North Carolina is 57 and Duke is at 66. So it is a very strange year in college basketball, and I think that ties back into what's happened with Yontanen. And I do think that be, that given everything that's happened this season, it does favor the youths to get some of these guys some run. These are important games still. They matter. These are important reps. These are guys that need development, especially Ian Martinez, because he is far and away the future of the program and the growth that he's shown in the past few few games is already just monumental 
and they need to find ways to continue to get him involved in the offense. I thought he was absolutely stellar at the end of the game, especially trying to keep Utah into it. His competitiveness, his defense, his athleticism, the way that he plays with his length, all of that is very, very important to this Utah team. I don't think there's a guard on the roster that has has his skill set, the way that he can play. Maybe Pella Larson is close athletically, but I think Martinez has a special gift, especially being able to rebound and push the ball in transition. All of this is happening because Mickey Antonin, again, going to play for his national team, wish him the best. I think that losing Yontanen was a big deal from a, a sense of the continuity in the offense wasn't as great. You could see guys were hunting for spots a little bit, and I think Mickey was a great glue guy offensively and obviously did all the good stuff defensively as well. Uh, Big-time glue guy, if you want to use that term. And combined with losing Ryland Jones and Mickey Antonin, it was pretty obvious that the offense stagnated. And they struggled with rotations on defense as well. There were a few different times, a few different opportunities where the defense just didn't look nearly as crisp as it should have. So losing Yontanen, a big deal, had an effect against a team like Stanford. Utah goes back on the road against Oregon State and Oregon this week, starting off with against the Beavers. That game will tip at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time on the Pac-12 Network on Thursday, 218. So be sure to tune in for that one. I think that Utah will still, given some time to practice, given some time to reacclimate with the new players, given some of these guys a, a larger role, I think Utah should be able to hang with Oregon State. We'll preview that a little bit more later on. But it is a just an absolute gut punch in a lot of respects for Yontanen to be leaving when he's leaving. But at the same time, kudos to Larry Kraskoviak for sticking to his word, for understanding how important it was, and for maybe most importantly, continuing to build the relationships with Hanno Medela and the Finnish national team and Finland in general, so that these European players who have positively influenced the University of Utah and provided a lot of stability for this program that they can continue to come here, continue to develop, and continue to grow. I think Jakob Pertl was a huge part of that. He's, we've seen what he's done in the NBA. Regardless of what your opinion of Larry Kraskoviak is, these are the kinds of players that Utah needs to get. If they want to be an elite program, they've got to develop a pipeline somewhere, and that's a great way to do it. If you look at what Gonzaga's done in the past, St. Mary's has done the same thing, where they brought in international players that Utah has done it in the past. I think it's a great way to go about it and, and gather your recruiting so that you can get some momentum, so you can get some talent in the program. So then you can build your recruiting with the top 100 guys and you know the California areas. If Utah had a more fertile recruiting ground, and we'll talk a little bit about the two prospects that Utah is focused in on for 2022 a little bit down the road here, but if there was more f- uh, of a fertile basketball recruiting area in the state of Utah, I think that would be, you know, a better way to go about it. But since there's not, you're trying to dip into other areas. You've got to find talent somewhere. So I think the European connection is very, very critical for that. We're going to expand on the game a little bit more coming up around the corner. But first, I want to get to the most important part of the program that is talking about Rock Auto. Folks, you've heard us talk about it time and time again. Rock Auto is the place to go. I was talking with a friend of mine who was doing some work on his car, and I said, hey, did you go to rockauto.com? He said, no, I'm looking for parts that are not set to a certain maker model, and so they're really hard to find on rockauto.com. And when he said that, I thought to myself, you know what? That's a great read right there. If you're looking for a specific part for a specific maker model, 
it is so easy to go to rockauto.com and find it there. They have all, no one knows your car better than you. Year, make, model, everything, color. You know, if, if you spilled salad dressing on the seat before and you know that that seat needs to be cleaned or needs to have more protection, far be it for me to be that guy. No one knows it better than you. And so go to rockauto.com, family-owned business. For the last 20 years, you'll get the lowest price possible. They don't uh, variable price anything. It's it forever for mechanics, for the general public. They're all getting the same price. So they are heavily discounted there. Rockauto.com. Go there right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they, they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. We touched a little bit about the game that Utah played at Stanford. I thought that Utah had a good chance to beat Ferd. I didn't see the offensive explosion from Spencer Jones coming. He made a career-high five three-pointers, scored 17 points. And Stanford pulled off the victory against the running Utes. Uh, I, for me, it was a tough game to watch because Utah just never seemed to find a groove. And I think a lot of that had to do, like I said, with missing Yontan and, and Rylan Jones. While they haven't been the most contributory players for the Utes, they have been consistent and they have executed their roles. And I think that threw Utah off a little bit. Timmy Allen, at times, looks a little lost trying to run and initiate the offense. I think he can do it at times. I don't think he is the guy to do it. And I thought that Ian Martinez did a great job of stepping in and, and trying to do that. His numbers weren't great. It was six points, two rebounds, one assist, one steal, two blocks, uh, just one turnover, which given the number of turnovers that Utah committed, especially Timmy, Timmy had five. And, and so I think that's the difficulty that Utah had with everything happening the way it did. They tried to be prepared for Mickey Anton and leaving, but I think it was Ryland Jones getting hurt that really threw them off and, and kind of has put this, uh, uh, you know, to use a phrase that our Rock Auto friends will respect. It's really thrown a wrench into the motor that was running Utah. So that being said, Spencer Jones was just lights out, 5 for 9 from three-point line, 17 points. Uh, Oscar Da Silva, Utah actually did a pretty good job of keeping him in check with only 13, but Jones was just continually trying to just put the stake in Utah's heart shot after shot, especially in the second half. There were about two shots within about, oh, two or three minutes of each other where he was just determined to kill the Utes, and yet Utah hung tough. They stayed in the fight. They continued to grind it out. Even when I think most of us had written them off, they were continuing to fight. They made it a really close game there at the end. 73-66 uh, to 66 was the final score, but it did feel like they were closing the gap. I, I believe it was a four-point lead at one point where Utah had kind of closed things out, and they were getting close, and it felt like 
maybe some chaos could happen and Utah could do something to close that game out. It never really materialized, unfortunately. And the Utes dropped a tough one to Stanford. Now, this is an interesting battle because both of these teams have been very successful on their home courts and not very successful on the road against one another. It's it's basically a home versus home record. I, I think each team has won one on the road and basically lost all the others. So given all that information, maybe it wasn't uh, wasn't a huge surprise that Utah dropped this game. This is one that really would have helped in terms of the net ranking. And this team is starting to round the corner and look a little bit like a tourney team. And that's where I think if you can get through this week, if you can get a win against Oregon State, if you can stay competitive against Oregon, this team will start to continue to rise in that net ranking. And we're seeing college basketball just be absolutely shredded left and right. You know, Duke lost a freshman the other day that's just going to sit out. Maybe it wasn't Duke. Um I'm off the cuff, and that's never a good place uh, to be, especially for me. Um, so this is the team that Utah has right now on the floor. I thought that, you know, on on Saturday there were some good performances there. Uh, Alfonso Plummer, Al Fuego has, has quieted down a little bit, but he did contribute 14 points. Timmy Allen was his normal reliable self. 18 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals. Again, it was the five turnovers that killed them. Uh, Pella Larson had three turnovers, seven points. Uh, Brendan Carlson has really, really stepped up to play well. Had a great game again, 12 points, 11 rebounds, one steal, one block. But he had a couple critical dunks, ways to give the team some momentum. And it's getting to the point now where Utah needs a bucket. They know that they can go to Carlson and get something. And that's a huge thing to have for this team because for so long we've talked about how the offense was either Timmy Allen trying to back it down and teams started to collapse on him and he couldn't make couldn't make the buckets go because he's just over overpowered at that point he's he's not tall enough he doesn't have the elite jumping ability you know he does have some really t- good talent in the mid-range but just not enough to really make things happen and so seeing Carlson emerge as a bucket getter combine that with uh, Alfonso Plummer who I still want to see get some early buckets and get some early rhythm some early some easy buckets early on to help him catch a little bit more fire there is potential on this team you know they did not play great defense against Stanford that's my biggest takeaway and Stanford is a very good defensive team they turned the ball over against Utah. That was a big part of it. They had a lot of uh, points off turnovers. Um, all of that contributed to the Utes losing. At, at time, U- Utah looked maybe, oh, I don't know if they were tired as much as they were just seemingly confused. And I think that probably is why Utah seemed to be a little sluggish at times. Um but I, I do think that a week off to get some practice time in, to get some reps, I believe in Ian Martinez. I believe in Pella Larson. I believe that these are guys who can compete on the floor. I believe that they give Utah a chance to win every single game. And I believe with a little bit of extra reps and an, a better idea of what their role is going to be will only help them. And we'll find out if I'm right or wrong against Oregon State. And that's a great thing because you guys can either rib me for being an idiot or I can talk trash and, and crow all I want for being right. You know, it's another great place that you can go if you're right a lot. That would be betonline.ag. 
Bet online is is my go to spot anytime I want to place a wager, and it has been very consistent for me lately. Where where it's the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We're we're getting some good hits. The parlays have been good to us recently. And even though football is over, which is kind of my specialty, there's still NBA, there's college basketball, and NHL in full swing. All of those contributing to us growing. Uh, I say us, the Locked on Youth podcast. We'll call it our little gold mine, our little treasure is continuing to grow. If you're not into betting on those kinds of things, they do have awards, TV shows, reality TV. All that can be bet on as well. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They have you covered for all the news, score, and odds. It's instantly updated. So if you watch a team lose, you can go double-check and make sure that your your bet is also lost, which nobody really wants to do. Uh, but sometimes it helps drive home that reality. But what's even better is when you win, you can go and celebrate a win. Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today, receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word, promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Wrapping up a Tuesday edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here, we're going to talk a little bit of volleyball. Number seven ranked Utah outlast USC in a five-set battle. They started off losing the first set to Southern California, 26-24. Battled back, won the second one, 25-19. Won the third, 25-18. Dropped the fourth, and then finished strong by winning the fifth set, 15-13, behind the efforts of the one and only Danny Drews. And we've talked about her ad nauseum. She was assisted a lot by Kenzie Kerber, who had 14 kills as well, three aces and four blocks. Zoe Weatherington, who we've talked about on the podcast as well, had another 10 kills and three blocks. Uh, Phoebe Grace had a great game with six kills and four blocks. It was a very team-oriented effort. And while Daniels is clearly leading the charge with 21 kills, and and she's just phenomenal. She's an incredible athlete. It's worth watching these. The next game against Oregon on the 18th will be on the Pac-12 networks. They're usually on Fridays in the afternoon, so if you're sitting in the office, just pull it up and, and give it a watch. This is a team that is hungry and moving for the kill. They are 8-0 in the season. It was a great uh, match. Had a lot of... Uh, back and forth, a lot of drama. That that final set was incredible. Uh, being able to sneak out a win against USC, who who has been a traditional volleyball school in a lot of ways, it, it just gives this team a whole lot of momentum. And I think that this kind of a win where they're able to fight back against a really quality opponent should give them more momentum and confidence as they move forward in conference play. Uh, also, Number three, Ute Gymnastics will host number 14 UCLA Friday night at the Huntsman Center. There will not be any fans for that, but the good news is that every single gymnastics meet will be either on the Pac-12 Networks or ESPN, one or the other. Uh, There'll be 
switching back and forth. Obviously, if you follow gymnastics, there's been a ton of growth with this. And, and the TV aspect, I think, could be huge for gymnastics in terms of getting a little bit of revenue going and whatnot. But this will be a big meet for the Utes as they go as they go up against UCLA, which has become kind of the rival for the program. UCLA is the golden bell of the ball in terms of gymnastics. So that's one to definitely pay attention to. We will for sure preview that once we get an opportunity. That pretty much wraps things up for today's episode. I want to thank everyone for tuning in, for giving us your time, for checking in with us, the kind words, everything like that, the uh, the comments, the subscribes, the rates, the reviews. We appreciate everybody who's been here. We appreciate all those new people that are showing up. Every single day the podcast is growing, and we love it because it's mostly in part to you. I basically just tweet about it. So thank you so much for spreading the the gospel of the Locked On News podcast. That's it for the show. Uh, Jake should be back later on in the week, uh, giving him some time off with the uh, jazz games that are going on every night so that he can handle his jazz duties as well. Reach out to us at Locked On News on Twitter, LockedOnNews at gmail.com via email, questions, comments, whatever it is. Give us, give us, drop us a line, hit us up. We'd love to take care of that. This has been the Locked On Youth Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network for February 16th, 2021. Listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.